Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome, everyone. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm well, except for the heat. I was going to say, is it, <laughs> is it hot enough for you? Is that what people say? Uh, yeah, it is hot enough for me. I would like it to be less hot. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you told me, you just said that the heat wave is just beginning. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be hotter next week. Yeah. Like five whole degrees hotter and it's already hellish. Hot, Does it so. make a difference at that point? Like yeah. if it's 98 or 102? Ooh. I'm not sure it makes a difference. I feel like it does if you live in a 1960s building right. with one window unit and nine fans. That window unit is working at like 98% capacity. We're also and... not allowed. Our building told us we're not allowed to put it under a certain temperature. Oh. Right. Yeah. What do you keep it at? Well, I think it's a 71. That's pretty low. But it, I mean, but it doesn't even. Doesn't get there. No, not even with nine fans in the house. Got it. Yeah. I'm sorry it's to hear rough. that. You have central air, I hear. I do have central that air. That is lucky. It's still crank. It, it's no still wonder you're like, does it make a difference? Because it doesn't make a difference to you. No. no. <laughs> you're cool in your house. You're I, like, oh, is there I, a heat wave? I hadn't noticed. When it's hot, I just go, I just go jump in my pool. Oh, well, all right. There's that too. That's some privilege right there. <laughs> I didn't uh, realize. All right. Do you mind if we move on to our guest? Not at all. Okay. So let me bring in our guest. I'll tell you a little bit about him. Matt Muscat is, he's a professional in, uh, I guess he's, he's a marketing professional is what I would say. He's the marketing director at Treadstone Funding. He also owns a marketing, a boutique marketing agency called Maltese Marketing. He's also a professor of digital marketing. So it seems like, uh, Matt, you, uh, you've got the marketing world uh, cornered here. So welcome. Welcome, Matt Musk. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And it is, I'm in Michigan, so it's like 90 here, but it like <laughs> rains and storms oh. every five minutes. And so that's like breaking it up. It's, it's not oh, great, nice. but it's not, as, not quite as bad. Is it humid? It's ungodly humid all summer long. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a lot right. of mosquitoes. It's very humid. But like every once uh. in a while for five to six minutes after the rain, it's really nice out. Uh, right. It's like all the humidity kind of like rests on the ground until it starts yeah, back And honestly, again. it might snow in like two months. So I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take what we get. Yeah. Did you guys have a late start to your uh, summer as well? Yeah, it was like 80 degrees in March, which was awesome. But then it like snowed again oh. in April, which I mean, I don't oh. know. Climate <laughs> change is probably real, but who knows? Right. Yeah, we had a really late start. It was pretty um, gloomy all the way through June almost. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, it was I great. I know. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, I can't wait for summer. And I'm like, you're going to regret it the minute it happens. <laughs> no one ever regrets <laughs> summer in Michigan. That's like, that's not, not a possibility. <laughs> our property values, to take it to real estate, like our property values would probably be like California's if we had the weather that California has. Oh. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. When I think of Michigan, I think of Detroit and I think of like at the bottom of the market, Everyone was saying, oh, come, you know, buy your $15,000 home in, in Detroit. I don't know how, what it's like these days. Yeah. Right? If you wanted to buy like a condo <laughs> in like the middle of Detroit, you're probably looking at like seven or 800,000, but wow. there are still like some Detroit's so big, right? I mean, it's like Manhattan or it's, it's like all of New York, including the yeah. boroughs. So if you wanted to go like 10 miles outside of the city center where all the cool stuff is, you could probably still find a $40,000, $50,000 house. But it might right. be in a neighborhood that only has one other house and a whole lot of overgrown fields or old factories. Right. So it's just a, it's yeah. a weird vibe. But my wife and I were just going to go to a restaurant the other day and we realized it was like nine miles away from the city center in a not so great area. 
So it looks like the trendy restaurants are moving further and further away, which is awesome because oh. hopefully, you know, the restaurants start and then everything else follows. Yeah, it does seem to be that way. Are you a Red Wings fan? I certainly was when I was a kid and <laughs> I, they haven't been that good since like their back-to-back wins in the 90s when I was a kid. So I would love to get more to more games, but haven't been in a while. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's let's jump into your experience here because you have a ton of it. Let's start with, your role as marketing director of Treadstone Funding. Obviously, that's a lender of sorts, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what you guys do. And, and For sure. So yeah, so Treadstone Funding, also known as Neighborhood Loans in some other areas of the country, we're a residential mortgage lender. We only do residential. And our main focus is really helping our loan officers to develop realtor relationships. And our whole process is really, really agent-focused. What I mean by that is we put all of our money behind staffing our our office so that our closing times can stay super low, right? Like in this market, when inventory is so tight and when every deal matters so much to an agent, we want to make sure that on every single lead we get, we can close that in as few days as possible without any hiccups. So everything that we do, our our lenders are are really going deeper on. It's not like a pre-approval. It's more of like a pre-underrate on every file. And then after that, we're communicating to the agent every single Tuesday, letting them know it's up and really trying to get more leads from the client that they sent over back to the agent, right? Like we want to multiply every lead that we get into more for the agent. That's, that's kind of how we've grown over the last, over the last 12 years that I've been there. It's been a ton of fun. And your, your job is marketing. Yeah. So right, I, so. my role is I'm the marketing director. So I do marketing, recruiting, technology, all of those types of things. So I like to provide our staff with different marketing information and with lots of different events so that they can attract new real estate agents and new clients to them. So might be teaching a continuing education class, teaching a fun wine event, hosting a hot dog eating contest where we champagne saber just to get people, get a good <laughs> crowd there. These are all things we've done in the last seven days, by the way. Like we like I want to be taught a wine event. I want to have, I want to be taught wine. I want to do a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> so we literally combined a champagne sabering with a hot dog eating contest to get maximum publicity. And this stuff too, like the Good fun call. thing is like you attract a crowd. It. It's great for recruiting. It's great for retention, but it also, it's great for social media, right? Like how often do you see a bottle of champagne right. being sorted off and then you go into a hot dog eating contest? I mean, like we like to have right. a little bit of fun, but also like we like to think outside the box, like mortgages are boring. And for the most part, real estate is very boring unless you're, unless you're on the receiving end of it. So we try to just think, what can we do differently? We want to stand out in a crowded market. I love that. And how do you advertise that, an event like that? Absolutely. So it depends who the audience is, right? So any real estate professional out there who's thinking about doing an event, the first, the first thing to decide is, do you want to do a micro event where it's like a couple people and you want to go deep with each person? Or do you want to do a large scale event where it's a little bit more community-based, going to be a lot more planning, but you're going to have a, a much further reach. So figuring that out first is key. If we're doing an event that's big, we're usually either doing it to real estate professionals or we're doing it to past clients. It usually starts with creating the list of who's invited and sending the quick email out. Then as long as it's not an event that we think is going to sell out really quickly, we encourage all of our lenders to do personal phone calls or texts to the people they're inviting. And the big thing here, and I think this is where a lot of people when they do events get confused, the value of an event is not in the actual event itself and getting people to show up. The real value is having a reason to make a phone call, right? Like every broker 100%. or manager on earth is telling their salespeople to pick up the phone and make calls to their past clients and their sphere of influence. 
but they say, well, manager, I would, but I just don't have anything to say. Inviting them to a party or a hot dog eating contest or a wine event is a great reason to call. And what's going to happen if I call yeah. you and say, hey, Paul, doing this wine event next week, would love to see you there. At some point in the conversation, you're going to say, Matt, how are you, by the way? What's new? And that's where I could launch into something positive about the real estate market. Or if you're actually interested, you might, you might preempt that and actually ask me a, a leading question that I can then answer and pivot into a lead. I love that. It, it Sales, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, right? Like it pervades through all industries, right? You can't just call somebody and ask them for business. Well, most people do that. That's, that's, that's like 99% of what real estate sales has been for the last 30 years. And I noticed that when <sighs> I started coaching people my age, right? Like I'm an elder millennial, right? Like when I started coaching Same. elder millennials, they're like, dude, I'm not calling my friends and reminding them that I'm a realtor and seeing if they want to sell real estate. Like I'm going to call them to hang out and party. And I want to come, like subtly mention in a low key way what I do. That's how sales works yeah. today. It really, it's how it's worked forever. But I think for a good 10 years, the baby boomers ruined it because they all got out of selling and they started coaching <laughs> and they started telling people to do bad things. What an interesting take. I'm probably going to get hate <laughs> mail that. from my baby yeah, boomer clients on this one. But it's not all I, of them. It's just, I will it's say, just a select I, few terrible ones. Right. I don't disagree with you though, because if somebody just calls me and asks me for business constantly, I'm I'm gonna get annoyed, annoyed. Yeah. that it's that's what the conversation is. If somebody is staying in front of me and I like them, I will eventually use them for whatever that is. Well, right. It's just super interesting, right? Because like I want you, if you're a salesperson out there, regardless of what you sell, think about how you like to be sold. I like to think mm -hmm. of like when my wife and I go shopping, right? We go to some store and the jeans are astronomically expensive, right? Like we're not going to buy them because they're $290, $300. And it's just a known that we're not going to buy them. But we walk in, they greet us at the door. They offer us cocktails. They see that we have kids with us and <laughs> offer them coloring books and, and they can go to a back room. And then they're really friendly. They're like, oh my gosh, you would look so cute in this. And they really try. And then they slyly mention that like there's a 20% off thing. And then all of a sudden I'm liquored up and I'm buying the $300 jeans that I said I wasn't going to buy when I walked in. Why are these salespeople making a 5% commission on a $300 pair of jeans trying harder than a realtor or lender who stands to make thousands of dollars? It makes no sense to me, but I kind of get it, right? Because most people in retail have to go through a lot more training and it's just a different vibe. Do you think that, and I, I, I love what you're talking about. I like the non-traditional marketing ideas. And I want to drill down about that, but is there some advantage to, if you're working retail, the leads are inbound versus if you're a real estate agent or a lender, you have to be outbound. Does it make it easier for that? It's an interesting scenario, right? Like, so if you're a real estate agent or a lender or like insurance person, most of the time, like I would say 90% of the time, your business is coming from your sphere of influence unless you just move to the area and you don't know anybody. So if you're, if you're marketing towards your sphere of influence, and if you're not, that's, that's the biggest red flag ever, right? Like get out of the business. Mm. If you're marketing to your sphere of influence, they already know you and have hopefully have trust in you. So now it's just about putting some educational information out there that you're a real estate professional, you know what you're doing, and then getting top of mind with them as many times as possible. The National Association of Realtors states that the average realtor closes 7% of their database in a good year. Now, if you want to be pessimistic and say that this is not a good year, I think it's like 5% still. So if you have 100 people in your database who know, like, and trust you, you reach out to them eight times per year with quality information, not spam, not basic sales. I mean, you close five deals at a 
$400,000 average purchase price, you're making a killing in commission. So I think that's kind of the difference, right? Like a retail, the people walking in may not know you, but I think if they do, and if you're part of that salesperson sphere, their chances of success, just like in real estate, do get multiplied. And obviously, if you can liquor up your clients, your chances go up as well. Just kidding. <laughs> Not really. So you said eight times in a year. Is that something that is, is that like a standard that you go for? Absolutely. Right. So my first, whenever someone comes in for a marketing meeting, my first thing I ask them is number one, what does your database look like and where does it live, right? If they say it's my cell phone, I call BS and I say, that's not a database. Your cell phone <laughs> is not a database. It could be... You need an Excel spreadsheet at the be, very yeah, least. Yeah, an Excel spreadsheet would totally <laughs> count, right? Like, because you can upload that to, to your CRM of choice, but usually it's going to be a CRM or a spreadsheet. And then my second question is, what's your contact like cadence, right? Like, is it one mass email a year, one personal phone call, two personal text messages, one event invite, like one happy hour, like what does that look like? And most people tell me, oh yeah, I have three drip campaigns. And I'm like, and, and what else? And they have nothing else. And they're like, well, I'm an agent at XYZ Big Brokerage and the CEO gives me these drip campaigns and I just send them crap all the time. And right. that's all we do. And I'm like, that's not the eight times. That doesn't count. Like you probably get more unsubscribes than you do replies. If so, that's a problem. So those eight times really need to be well thought out. And I think it becomes even easier to craft good, good follow-ups and good, good reach outs when you group people into appropriate groups, right? So like when mm. I put you guys into my list after this, which obviously will be happening, I need to know what industry you're in. Okay, builder, I need to know guy versus girl. I need to know age range. I need to know where you live. Like I need to market to to my people that have them that already own a home different than I would market to people that are renters. And all of this information helps you, the sales professional, to figure out what your what your cadence and what your communications should be. Like the people sending out bulk crap to every single person in their database, they're not going to get the results of someone who actually thinks it out. Oh man, you could get really lost in all those variables though, right? Like, do you have a limit on how much of a breakdown you have? I usually because tell I could go start so with five. into the data yeah. with that. I usually tell people to start with five, right? Like if you're new to CRMs and organizing your database, come up with like the five categories that like people would fit under, right? It's going to be like cl closed clients or lead or sphere of like general sphere. It's going to be, mm -hmm. you might, you probably don't need to do gender at first, but it might be like, someone you know versus a lead. It could be whatever other big activity you're into, right? Like if you, if your former career was something where you knew everybody, it could be, you know, like old basketball friends or um, friends from old job, because that way you can send out specific things that all of them could get. Some people put everyone in their neighborhood or everyone in a certain geographic area into one group. That's smart. You know, like your neighborhood's an easy one. Uh, a lot of agents get the majority Especially of their sales from events. their neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Local events, I, shredding events. Well, I can tell you right now. So events, my realtor who sold me a house four years ago, he's one of my best friends. He's a Remax agent in, near me in Grand Rapids. He has sold four houses in my neighborhood now. And he'd love to sell another 20 because it's just a great neighborhood. And he is bringing an ice cream truck to our neighborhood tomorrow night. All the kids and adults get free ice cream, he even has vegan options. He posted <laughs> in our neighborhood Facebook group. He sent out a mailer and now he's working his way through any publicly available phone numbers to invite people. So if he gets 20 people there, that's kind of a win. And at the event itself, he's going to pass out like little home value flyers with like prices in the neighborhood. Like that's an easy one, but he has my neighborhood and everyone in it categorized as categorized as our neighborhood in his CRM system. Right. Hey, Matt, so from an event like that, he may or may not get business. Odds are he's not going to get business from that specific event, but it'll be one more 
touch point, one more place where he can create the relationship? Yeah. Is that the way to look at that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in almost any form of marketing that you do, you have to go into it assuming that you're not going to get a deal specifically from that event. However, I think doing that event, he's exponentially increasing his chances of getting another deal this year because all the neighbors have already been seeing his sign in our yard. Like he's had a sign in our yard for almost a year and a half straight based on the, the properties that he's sold. So people already have some familiarity with his name. And now through this, yeah. they're going to get familiarity with his face and the fact that, oh, wow, he's just bought our kids ice cream. And my guess is that since, you know, there's 100 homes, there's going to be 12 of them that are going to sell in the next two years. And he's going to have some good conversations. I'd be shocked if he didn't get a direct deal from this in the next year. Will it be this month? Probably not. But you never know. And think about the amount of opportunities for touches that is, right? right? You could send one or two emails leading up to it. You could door knock the neighborhood, drop off stuff at people's house to let them know that the ice cream truck's going to be there. You have the ice cream event. You could mm. do a follow-up after, right? That's already like three to five touches. Well, and, and you know? let's face it, like with something like an ice cream truck, and he's going to get Instagram and social media tags too. So he's now going to get in front of all of their mm. people. And especially if you're marketing right. in a neighborhood with decent house prices, if he somehow gets lucky and gets like one deal off this, that deal could pay him like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. So hundred, two hundred bucks Definitely for his ice cream plus yeah. his time. If if he does this five times, I almost guarantee you'd get a deal off of it in five different neighborhoods. But it's yeah. just a numbers game. Well, it's so funny because it's just ice cream. Like it's a two dollar item that everybody has in their freezer. But giving that symbolically to your kid, the kids in the neighborhood and the adults is so much better and more personalized than here's a valuation sheet. Right. Everybody gets that. Or here's a the, the guy in my neighborhood does the in and out truck. But the point is sort of like, or the hot dog eating contest, whether it's experiential or just a little bit of food, that's so much more valuable than that sheet that they drop off, than the email that you get. Like that's self-serving. All that is self-serving. Right. When somebody gives you something instead of asking you for something, right. that's automatically going to feel better. And I do also think it's a little bit Pavlovian. Like I used to, when I first started in escrow, I would run around like with cookies, with our branding on them. Right. And like people would like salivate at the sight of me walking into their open house, which cookies. sounds really weird, but like the cookies are exciting. You know yes. what I mean? So it's, and then it just yes. became like a thing. So yeah, people appreciate something like that where they're not being asked of anything, but to keep you in mind, that's literally the ask. So next time the the ice cream truck goes around the neighborhood. Instead of thinking ice cream, you start thinking real estate agent. <laughs> I like it. Well, and you know, here's the interesting thing, right? So we already talked about this when we planned it, but before he sets up, and they're setting up shop in my driveway, so I'm sure my wife is going to be thrilled, but um, my kids will love it. But before he sets up shop and actually starts passing the ice cream, he's going to go around the neighborhood three times with the music on. Of course. Right. Just three times? I don't know, maybe more. Yeah. So the backstory is he actually bought the ice cream truck. Uh, <laughs> and like he, he has it. So it's his now. It was like 14 grand, but he can use it over and over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. And he can use it as like a camper, probably like if it's like a man, it's like that. a VW bug type thing. It's not that, but it's something else. So it's uh it's an investment. Cool. But, you know, well, okay. well, clearly has refrigeration. I yeah. can totally refrigerate for <laughs> yeah. that. You could live in that. <laughs> it's going to be cooler than your house. Oh, I bet. Come on uh, by. Just open the freezer. I would love to hear about more non-traditional types of marketing, if we could yeah, uh, uh, dig into that, like buying yeah. the ice cream truck. That's cool, right? Can you talk about other ideas? Does direct mail work? What, what yeah, else? I, I'll, give you two, I'll give you two that are really popular and ungodly simple. 
So okay. if you're a realtor, you're like a, a lot of realtors, not all of them, right? Like different states, it's harder to be a homeowner, but a lot of realtors are homeowners. Think about the amount of crap that homeowners accrue in their houses throughout the years, right? You, you have skis and you have bounce houses from kids' birthday parties, popcorn machines, all these appliances. Think of like every tool that you own, Paul, that you haven't used in five years, but that you might need for one project one day. I have a realtor I work with who inventoried all of these random things around their house. And he emails all of his past clients to let them know that they can borrow it or rent it out from him at no charge. <laughs> oh, how interesting. This is where amazing. it gets crazy. He's been doing okay. it for 20 years now. <laughs> and now he actually buys things for his inventory. He has three kids bounce right. houses for birthday parties. Slip and slide. Oh my God. Genius. That's really smart. Genius. The bounce house smart. moving trucks that he leases. And his insurance agent, title company, lender, all like advertise on it. So it ends up being free. All of his clients get a moving van for free, right? Like he has saws. I think he actually took the saws off the list because someone got injured. But he has all these (laughs) random like gardening (laughs) and like landscaping tools Uh, that you just don't think that you need You're not going to buy, right. You're not going to buy an entire. Bob, I need a three eighths inch uh, hex wrench uh, stat. (laughs) Yes. So he has all this stuff and he emails his clients and past clients about it all the time to remind them. But he said that his kid's birthday stuff is the biggest hit and it's rented out 90% of the time. Now, when someone wants to rent it, they send him an email, they reserve it, they come to pick it up. When they come to pick it up, his admin gives a pretty shameless ask like, hey, you're using all this stuff. We're able to stock this and pay my salary because of referrals. I need you to give me a name in the next six months of someone, a coworker, someone that's buying or selling. (laughs) So we talked about not being salesy, but he's literally doing something for them that's saving them, you know, a couple hundred bucks here or there. So he's very comfortable making that ask. And all of his business comes from referrals from his past clients. And he's actually now said that it is cheaper for someone. It is more expensive for someone in his area to not use him than it is to use him. Because if right. you're in his community and you use him, all of this stuff is free and you don't need to buy it and store it. Right. right. He's, he's, if he's the person you refer anyway, correct. you can borrow all his stuff. He's giving, <laughs> giving, giving, giving. And then it's human nature when someone keeps giving you, you? Yeah. that ev- ev- exactly, eventually you want to give back. And that give back is like, well, I need a list. Yeah. And you know, you. what he was saying is it's actually gotten pretty crazy. So a lot of his clients will actually, when they're moving, say like, Hey man, I know you do this. Can I just give you all my stuff that I don't want? Do you want to pass it down? Mm. So he sometimes will have first time home buyers who he sells, you know, a, a cheap mentor of a home to. And he'll say, Hey, do you want a lawnmower? It's free. Hey, do you want this? It's free. I just had an old couple move into a condo. They don't need this stuff anymore. So it becomes one of these things where it's literally in someone's best interest to use him because you then have access. And what I like about this strategy is it sounds intense to see where he is, where he is now, right? 20 years later with two moving vans and all this stuff. He started with just renting out tools from his garage. Right. Right. Like it, it doesn't have to be crazy. I have another realtor who doesn't even rent stuff out, but her husband has a large van and she helps every single client on moving day. And who helps you on moving day? Your closest personal relationships. So she gets to meet all of her clients, closest personal relationships. She physically helps on moving day and usually buys the pizza and beer. And then everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you're the realtor. I know someone. XYZ. Giving is easy. This stuff doesn't like it always feels good too. So even if it doesn't work, you're not pissed off when it's done versus if you do a mailer, which could totally work, by the way, I'm not knocking mailers. Mm. If you do a mailer, you spend a thousand bucks on it. You don't get a call in a week. You are mad, (laughs) right? It's just a different vibe. Right. I would use a realtor that said that if I list with them, 
that they would come and do all the organization in the house before the move because I have so much crap. You know, those organizer type yeah. people. You need a, a hoarding expert. I need to come a hoarding expert. <laughs> so, and we had a hoarding expert. Ironically, I work with an agent that does that also. So, f- interestingly oh, enough, when she yeah. lists your home for one extra percent in commission, uh, so 4% on the 4% on her side and then still 3% on the mm-hmm. other side, she actually will hire a stager, an organizer, and a cleaner for you. So you get those three extra services for 1%. She breaks even on it. She's not really making money unless the house is over a million bucks. But we used that service when we sold our last house. And we almost didn't want to move because the organizer, I mean, she literally went to home (laughs) goods and probably had 1500 bucks worth of stuff in our house with tags on that made our house look awesome. As soon as the house sold, she took all that stuff back and returned it. You know, I feel like I don't hear about a whole lot of realtors doing that. And I'm just, I'm curious what stops people from doing it. If it's just feeling overwhelmed with their sphere and like they can't put in that personal time. Do you see this a lot or what stops people from doing this? So there's here, I mean, I think here's the honest truth, right? There's 4 million real estate agents in the country. And if all of us were doing all of these same great things, there'd be nothing to set us apart. We don't need 4 million agents in the country, right? Like we need, we need maybe half a million. And so Mm -hmm. when you think about that, it's natural that we all do things a little bit differently. I mean, there's, there's people that I have, I have an agent who drives everybody around in a limo. It's, it's, hmm. it's cheesy in my opinion. It's not my value. Weird, yeah. Um, you mean like to go to, on showing? To, to go showing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> ironically, he's working with like the lower end of real estate. So it's kind of become a joke in our market. It's like, oh, you, you sign up with him and you got to get a bottle of $3 champagne and you get to drive around yeah. in a I was going to say, this is the liquored up sales. This is the liquored up sales. Not a bad yeah. idea. If there was a spa yeah. in the back of that limo, sold, sold. Then you yeah. never want to get out. <laughs> You would just, you would just look at it from the curb and be like, eh, I don't really want to Yeah. So I mean, I think there's a million ideas uh, out there. And it, the important thing is like creative. figuring out the stuff that makes sense for you. So like one of the presentations that I do a lot, I think my next book is going to be about this, but you need to figure out whatever you're into, like whatever your passions are, whatever your life already has going on in it. And you need to figure out a way to leverage that into exposure to getting in front of more clients, right? So like I play pickleball a ton. I love pickleball. I don't know if it's hit the West Coast yet, but it's like the more oh, the most yeah. addicting thing since crack. And right. what did I do? Because I want to play pickleball at work and my boss is like probably not going to let me do that all day. I held a 100 realtor pickleball tournament to get realtors to come and play pickleball with me. Guess what? Yep, we sold smart. out and we raised $20,000 for charity and I got to play pickleball for an entire nine hours at work. Wow. And I made a ton of money for everyone involved. So that <laughs> I'm, was, that I'm was in. Cool I'm in, I'm into pickleball now too. So I, I hear you. That's cool. Sarah's well, looking at us um, like we're crazy. No, oh, I, so you know, I know so many people who are playing yeah. pickleball now, and I've been invited a few times, and I just haven't. <gasps> so fun. I know. I, I want to go. I just yeah. haven't take. Well, now it's too hot. <laughs> I played pickleball, but maybe last in the weekend. fall. Maybe yeah. in the oh, is it in your refrigerated house? Yeah, in my refrigerated house. Yes, <laughs> I have indoor pickleball. Is that yeah, gonna be I the bet. next thing? That, indoor and then, pickleball and then just courts, a direct pool That's access. That's the next thing. Indoor, indoor pickleball. <laughs> well, I mean, the CEO, the CEO of the agency just announced in uh, Pickleball Magazine that having one of the biggest <laughs> trends in luxury real estate is having a pickleball court at the mansion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could so easily, there's so many like tennis courts and basketball courts hey, that you could just convert into pickleball courts, There's right? a big battle. Uh, I'm a tennis player too. We don't want our tennis courts converted into pickleball, but now I'm also a pickleball player. So. Can't you have like a multi-purpose court? Yeah, you, you line. You can put it at the same time. Well, yeah. yes. well, not at the same time. How many people do you have at, at your house at any given time? It's not at my house. Uh, anyways. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. I love, uh, I love I someone mean, who's already We're talking it. about we're talking about in the homes, oh, like in, in these the, big homes oh, that yes. have these yes, courts. Yes, you now. can. You can. I That's think he's I, saying Matt, the lap I think of luxury is fit. now. Two pickleball two. courts on one tennis Correct. court. Correct. And usually they're lined in such yeah. ways. So you have the pickleball nets on the side and you just bring them in or drop them down as soon as you want to play. So that that's what people are doing that. Yes, you're totally yeah. right, Sarah. It's, Interesting. It's, it's doable. I'll if you're if you want to play, I'll, I'll play. Yeah. Matt, you are a wealth of information. You have a book called Tag the Tangible Action Guide for Real Estate Marketing. And I imagine I haven't read it. I'll be honest with you. I imagine it's an amazing resource for people in marketing like real estate agents. And it's a wealth of information, just like the last 20 minutes we've talked about. Is that, is that, is that right? Yeah. So the big thing is I go to a lot of real estate conferences and most presenters are all about like motivation, like that Oprah style, like rah, 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 you can do it if you just try harder. My book is the opposite of that. My book is go do this one thing right now. Send this one social media message out Mm. to 10 people. And then turn it into that. a conversation and then turn it into a coffee meeting. It's, hey, go on LinkedIn and this is how to download a list of your contacts. It's very specific and read, tangible I'm going to read ideas. it. Yeah. And yeah. it applies to like realtors, lenders, title people, like everything. I get so overwhelmed by what you can do because there's so many things you can do, right? Yeah. And then I will get stuck in the, oh, okay, I want to send this text message out, but I have to send it to everybody I know. And yeah. it becomes this like Project. really overwhelming feat where why does it have to be, right? Yeah. So like I like the bite-sized goals because they end up actually having results because they don't paralyze you. Well, and the big thing is like the book start, like I've trained enough people to know like where it needs to start. So the book starts with time blocking and then it goes into accountability second. And then it goes into strategies third, right? Because like, if you don't have the basics of like your calendar down and the basics of who's going to hold you accountable, it's hard to ever like get to the next step on strategy. So every chapter is like three pages. So I know the attention span of the average salesperson is like one minute. It's like a three-year-old. <laughs> so it's written for that. And it's also like a choose your own adventure guide. Like cool. if you want to get to the chapter on technology and skip it, go for it. Go to the chapter on door knocking, right? Like I still believe in some of those old school techniques done correctly. So Matt, you're obviously kind of a marketing guru. Your day job, it sounds like, is is what you're running your marketing agency, mm-hmm. running marketing at Treadstone Funding. But is your goal to become, I hate to use the word influencer, yeah. but like to, to become kind of a thought leader in marketing? Is that where you're headed? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I like, like, I'm not, I'm not leaving my career anytime soon. I think I've. I love my role. My wife doesn't even believe I have a real job because to her, it looks like I'm just (laughs) at happy hours and chatting with realtors all day. (laughs) But you know, I I think definitely to do, to do more great public speaking engagements, maybe put a couple more books out unless maybe ChatGPT is just writing all the books in 10 years. I think that'd be a ton of fun. I'm doing a lot of speaking in the Midwest and a little starting to do a little bit more in the South, but I don't want to say influencer because it's like a dirty word and I'm yeah. not as cute as a Kardashian yet, but if yeah. I dye my hair white, I can, how's, I can get how's your butt? Yeah. How's the butt? I'm sneaking by. Uh, well, thought leader. I like, yeah, thought, I like thought leader. I like good, good word. Clearly you are. Clearly you are. Well, this has been amazing. I, I'd love this conversation. I'm yeah. sure we could go on for another half hour. But... I know. Can we get just a takeaway from you uh-huh. of like top tips? Yeah. Well, top tips you would leave people with to give them a little something to yeah, I want to look into with, your stuff. Like, we're in 2023 and it's a different market, right? So I'm going to leave with like some tips for, for right now. So arguably, there's a lot of people listening who started in real estate between 2013 and 2019. And every single day was better than the last. And arguably, whether you were good at your job or bad at your job, you made some money and you grew your business because of the market, right? A lot of those people never developed the skills that are now required for the market we're in now. The market we're in now has very few homes for sale. 
it's ultra competitive, right? Like we're not in a recession where home prices are devalued and everyone's getting foreclosed on. It's like the opposite. It's the people buying houses have more money than you and you have to be creative and compete. So what do we do in this type of market? First thing is that you have to instill confidence in your buyers. You have to lead them towards the properties that make sense for them and kind of sell the dream. Like imagine like the show Property Brothers, right? Or Love It or List It, one of those. The agents are not like taking a client through a dumpy house where the client's then going to say, no, I'm not interested. This, this place sucks. No, they're pulling out their iPads and showing them like what it could be. And they're getting them excited. Stop showing people all these houses that came on the market yesterday that you know we're going to have 30 offers on them by tomorrow night because they were underpriced. Instead, use the filter, look and see properties that have been on the market for 10 days or more that are a little underpriced for your client's budget, and then figure out what small changes could make this property exponentially better for your clients. Go out and find them the contractor, for God's sake. Price out the appliances at Lowe's for them. Like, make it tangible and graspable and literally put the sale together. I mean, like, there are so many ways to do this. Like, investment properties don't seem like a good deal right now because rates are high. Well, think of it differently. Call your clients whose kids are in college and help your clients buy their kid a house that they can live in with three or four roommates and they can use a low down payment option on it. The amount that they are paying slash making on that rental property will be less than what they're paying for dorm living or for the apartment for their kid. There's different angles. You just as a realtor have to figure out those angles and then suggestively sell those to clients. Then the last one I'll give you, it really comes to interest rates. So interest rates are annoyingly high right now, but only because they're higher than they were two years ago. And so there's people not moving because they don't want a higher rate. But two big things to get people to move. Number one, something like 80% of clients have credit card debt. That's at 30% interest. What would you rather pay, Sarah? 30% interest or 7% on your mortgage? Get those people to sell their homes and pay off all their debt. They will have more money in the bank at the end, even probably enough to buy another house at 3% down. They're basically using that interest rate to consolidate some debt. Number two, statistically, I'm not like a mathematician, but I think that there are three things that can happen with interest rates. They can go down, they can go up, or they can stay the same. And I really want agents to think about this. What happens if interest rates go up? If you buy today and interest rates go up, you're happy with your decision, you have a good deal, your price is cheaper than someone else's. If you buy a house today and rates stay the same, kind of like a who cares type situation, you won, like your price isn't going up. You didn't get a bad deal. If you buy today and rates go down, you simply refinance and your lender makes money off it and you, or they move and you get another sale off of it. So the three outcome, the only three things rates can do, you can benefit off all three or they become a non-issue. When you think of it like that, it's not a big deal. The one thing that right. is bad with interest rates is volatility. What nobody wants is when rates shoot up and down every other day, because that is not great for the market. But honestly, rates have been fairly stable for the past six months now. And we're seeing a lot of people return to the housing market because their agents and lenders are educating them on the, the safety, the safety in real estate, right? Like it's, it's been one of the best investments you can make for the past hundred years. Terrific. That's Those great. Are, that's, yeah. Good insight. Good yeah. tips, Matt. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Matt. We're going to share your yeah, we're going to share your information in the show notes as well as links to find you and um, your book as well. And um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. 
And I'm Sarah Lehman. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.